All right, so we are back in Ephesians, and uh, this is, uh, as, so the, two weeks ago, we kicked off the series. Uh, just said, hey, here's the church in Ephesus. And uh, last week, um, I was out. I got the plague. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. We all tested negative. It's all good. Um, uh, actually, technically, it was, it was wild. I got an email from HR saying, technically, by Sunday, uh, you'll, you're clear to go back to work and to preach. And I was like, ah, I don't know, it just seems a little sudden. So it took a whole extra week off. And uh, so here we are. So uh, anyway, so thanks to uh, Paul for stepping up and, and preaching for me. So last week, though, uh, he kind of kicked off a, almost like a mini three-week series within this series of, of excuse me, of Ephesians. Um, and so looking at Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And so Paul looked at the uh, identity that we have in, in Christ and kind of walked through this idea of, of our identity. Uh, I am my, and, and a lot of times we fill in our blank. I am my job. I am my role as a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or whatever it may be. Uh, or, or even I, I am my sin, right? I am this, this thing that weighs me down. Um, but uh, Paul looked at the two major themes that we see in these verses. Oh, no, I, I am my saviors, right? My identity is in Christ. There's, there's so much in these verses where we see uh, our standing as followers of Jesus in Christ. And also, uh, I am my heavenly Fathers, I am adopted. I am a child of the king, which we're going to look at again today. And so this week, I want to look at this idea, specifically in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, again, the same verses, looking at let's count our blessings. And so if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, it's okay. Uh, uh, Ephesus is a city in Asia Minor, a uh, major port city, a very large city, about 300,000 people. They had a huge uh, temple to the goddess Artemis, um, and uh, this letter most likely was passed around to multiple churches in Ephesus, how, little smaller house churches, um, and uh, I know Paul mentioned this last week, but this is the, the longest sentence that we have in our New Testament in the Greek language, and so it's really difficult to kind of, um, uh, you know, parse it out, to, to kind of figure out the subject, object, and predicate, nominative, and do all that fun stuff. Uh, it takes a little bit more, more work, uh, but that's, that's what we're going to do, uh, and, and we're going to get into a little bit more of the language and, and that in this longer sense today, but specifically focusing on counting your blessings. Um, we're going to look at some songs today, uh, three to be exact, but the first one is from the classic uh, White Christmas, and you got Bing Crosby. I don't know the actress's name. Does anyone know the actress's name? Rosemary Gooney? Clooney. Oh. Okay, Clooney is much better name. Uh, Rosemary Clooney, <laughs> right? And you know the song, maybe, maybe don't. Maybe. If you haven't seen it, uh, spoiler alert, it's good, and you should watch it. Um, this is the colorized version, not that it matters. And, uh, but Bing Crosby sings this song, right? This Miss uh, Clooney, uh, that's not her character's name, that's the actress's name. She uh, gets up in the middle of the night, she can't fall asleep, right? And so he, of course, like any musical, which musicals are always weird to me, because uh, who would just bust out a song and then she joins in on the chorus and it's like, what? How does that happen? I don't know. Right, she sings, right? If, if you can't sleep, or he sings, if you, if you can't sleep, right? Count your blessings instead of sheep, right? 
and you'll fall asleep counting your blessings, right? That's, that's what he does, right? Uh, and, and it's this whole idea, right? And now, now Bing, at the time, when he sang the song, I don't know if he wrote the song or not, that's, there's, a, there's some really good gospel themes in that. And, and what's amazing is when we look at culture around us, there are some incredible gospel themes that come out uh, just through uh, their, their storylines. Uh, and so, uh, anyways, and that's just kind of one of them. Why don't you count, count your blessings? I, uh, growing up, my mom and dad, uh, my dad was a pastor, and we used to do these things uh, that were called uh, specials or offertories, or both, that when the, the offering plates were being passed around, um, that someone would get up and they would sing a song or whatever. My mom and dad would, would sing a lot um, because you had to have a special, and if there wasn't somebody lined up, they were like, well, I guess we're singing again. And so they would sing, I don't know what it was as a little kid, I couldn't handle listening to my mom and dad sing together. I would bawl my eyes out. And people are like, Brian, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I don't know what's happening. I just can't. I would get so emotional. But I remember them singing this song, count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And there's so much of these blessings that we're going to see in this passage, these blessings that God has given us that we can see what God has done. And as I mentioned, this is a very long sentence, but what we do see is it, because of, of the complexity of it, we see that God the Father is the subject. He's the main thing. And so if, if I probably should have done it this way, but if I could have thought about the order, I probably would have started with next week's sermon last week. Does that make sense? Um, uh, just focusing on God the Father, focusing on the subject, and then you have... Um, or the, the subject then being the son and the spirit, they're the ones kind of performing the actions. And then you have us as like the indirect object. We're not even like the main object. We're kind of this, this little dangling modifier, if you will, of what's happening in this story. We're the minor players in it. Uh, but today we're gonna focus on us a little bit more. Um, and so I just wanna read the passage that we're gonna be looking at today. Um, and, and again, if, I'm not gonna be uh, looking at every single word and verse uh, this week because we're kinda gonna be doing that over the, the three weeks. So if you feel like, man, I feel like he missed something or didn't talk about that, uh, go online, listen to, to Paul last week, and then maybe we'll, we'll catch it next week. But let me go ahead and read Ephesians chapter one, three through 14. Uh, this is our passage for today and next week says this. Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings and blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and goodwill to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose of his will, in order that we, who are the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. 
And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You were marked with him, with a seal, with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So now let's count our blessings. Looking at this first verse here, it says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This first word here, praise, is uh, can be translated blessed. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know normally I don't get into the, into the Greek, but it's really interesting here because in, in the original language, uh, that first word where it's praise or can be translated uh, blessed, and then who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, those are actually three different Greek words, which kind of have a little bit different meaning. And so I just want to look at those today. And then what are those spiritual blessings? So his first word, praise, and again, in the Greek, is uh, eugelitas. Uh, you, you'll, you'll get eulogelitas, there we go, which is where we get our English word, eulogy. All right, and so this is the idea. I wanna, I wanna speak highly of somebody. All right, that's this idea, uh, specifically in this first word, again, the NIV that I'm reading from is praise, but blessing, and what it means is to get an actual image, a further, clearer, more perfected image of who the Father is, right? Because when we think about when, we, when you magnify something, right, when you take a magnifying glass and you're looking at a piece of paper and you, and you hold it up to look at it, or you're, you're looking at an at a insect or whatever it is that people look at in their magnifying glasses, whatever the thing is that you're looking at, that thing doesn't get bigger, right? I don't, I don't look at a tiny little ant and all of a sudden it's massive and, like, and, and freak out. Wow, this is the biggest ant I've ever seen. No, that's not how that works, right? I'm just getting a clear, more perfected image of that. And it's my prayer, not just this week, but, but for sure next week, to get a more proper view of who God the Father is, that he is seated on the throne, that he is in the position of power and authority, and that he rules over this world and then he chooses then to bless us. He chooses to give us his son. He chooses to reveal himself to us. And so I just want us to magnify. That's what it means when we bless and we sing praises and these worship songs and these old hymns that we are doing this. We're magnifying. I can't make him bigger. He's already big. But what I can do is get a better image of him through how he has revealed himself to me. And eulogizing, speaking well of God. The next one here in Ephesians chapter one, verse three says, who has blessed us? So God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us? One commentary, this is a, a really fat commentary that just takes every single word in Ephesians and the Greek, it just kind of explains it. Uh, gives a little bit of commentary in between, but, but uh, Dr. Woost here says this, in word and thought, we bless God. That's the, first, that's the first idea of blessed. Blessed be God. In word and thought, we do that. We give back to God that way. Because in deed and positive effect, he blesses us. All right, so he's not just saying with words and thought, hey, I care about you. I love you. Uh, you know, my, my, my prayers and thoughts go out to you when something bad happens. No, he, he does something in deed and in positive effect. He blesses us. One thing, though, that I do want to point out, babe, would you mind getting me a glass of water? Thanks. Um, 
Those in the recording, I just called my wife, babe. It's, there's some in the back. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just the other day, my son was like, how come you and mommy call each other babe? And I was like, I just their nicknames for each other. I don't know. I've always done it. Um, all right. Uh, who does the us refer to? And, and this, this actually came up a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, Law, if you know him, he, he, he mentioned this, which I thought was very insightful. Um, he's a lawyer, so I guess it makes sense that he would have noticed this, that there is a pronoun change in the language, that the Apostle Paul, as he's writing uh, verses 3 through uh, 11 or 12, um, they're all, thank you. They're all uh, uh, me and us, and then it shifts, though, to you. Take a week off and your voice doesn't work anymore, I guess. It says this, okay, so the pronouns change. Let me just, so just pay attention out of the pronouns, right? Remember, do you remember the song from, from elementary? I, you, he, she, it, we, they, pronouns, pronouns, me, you, him, her, it, us, them, pronouns all the way. You're welcome. I remember that. You don't remember that? I remember that. That's four songs now today. <laughs> With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. And then here it shifts. So in verse 13, then, and you also were included in Christ when you heard. Okay, do you see the, do you see the shift there? And so there were, there were some really good observations. And and, and, and Law just asked, like, is, it, is, is, it, is Paul referring to just the Israelites in, in 3 through 12? And then now as he's writing the letter to the Ephesians, the Gentiles, is it shifting here? Which is a really good observation. But every commentary, and I've read probably 10 of them this week, the, no, that's actually not what's said. So we might think that, but I think the more natural way to read this is Paul comes to faith, obviously, first. And he's writing the letter and he says, you younger believers, right? If, if, if I come to faith first and I'm talking, I can look out at you if you came to faith since you've been at Lower Town. I can say, and you also were included, right? It doesn't mean uh, I was chosen and you weren't. Uh, you could maybe read it that way if you make a differentiation between Israel and the Gentiles. Uh, but every commentary that I could find was in, in agreement that that's not the case here. And... Uh, maybe just a, a Bible reading tip is, is let the Bible interpret itself. Read the Bible. Usually you can get rid of any kind of confusion by just reading it more in context because the next verse in, in 15, it says uh, to the younger believers, he says, ever since I heard of your faith, right? He's talking about, he's saying, I, I've recently heard of your faith and this is now, now what's happening. So Maybe you didn't have any questions about that. Maybe I just made questions for you. I don't know, but I wanted to, to at least uh, mention that. So what happens? We are uh, giving these spiritual blessings. So what are these spiritual blessings? So a God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So spiritual here, which you might read this and go, so it's not something physical, right? So it's a, it's a spiritual blessing, right? But spiritual here doesn't mean not physical, 
Uh, there, there was a view not only present at this time, but I think it's still present in our day and age called Gnosticism, I, mean, I call it that, uh, but where people would say, oh, if it's spiritual, it's good, and if it's physical, it's bad. Uh, the physical realm is where sin and wickedness is, but in the spiritual realm, it's all good, and so we need to focus on that aspect and not worry about the physical realm, right? Uh, the and, and practical side of this would be, hey, uh, we can just do deforestation because that's a physical side of the earth. Who cares about what's happening here? Let's only focus on the spiritual, right? Um, that would be a very practical way of Gnosticism working itself out in our culture. Um, and so, but this idea of being blessed spiritually, it means proceeding from the Holy Spirit, all right? And, and again, let the Bible interpret itself because if you read even the passage that we have been reading, in verse 13, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is our deposit guarantee and our inheritance into the redemption of those who are called, who are God's possession. And so these spiritual blessings that we're gonna be receiving are from the Holy Spirit, which is why they're called spiritual blessings. They proceed from the heavenlies, right, from God, and they come to us. But then it says this, every spiritual blessing. Every, <laughs> it says every spiritual blessing. Uh, Dr. Woos, let me just, a little bit of commentary here, says this. The point in view is what they are, not how they reach us. All right, so it's not so much like, how, how do those heavenly blessings get here? Although I think it, he makes it clear, the, the Apostle Paul saying it's by the Holy Spirit. But uh, Woos uh, suggests here, there is little to suggest either that a contrast is drawn between the blessings of the gospel and the more temporal blessings of the Old Testament economy. Uh, let me pause there. He's saying uh, that these blessings aren't just spiritual, and they're not just physical. That there's, a, there's, a, there's something going on here that's different. Because sometimes you would think, oh, I'm a New Testament Christian. Uh, I believe the gospel. So it's, it is this spiritual thing. It's, it's grace and peace and mercy and love. It's not something physical. Whereas the Old Testament would have read that the blessings of God, very physical, right? I'm gonna choose King David and he will sit on his throne forever. That was a physical thing. But guess what? There's not a king in Israel who's seated on a throne right now it is a spiritual and physical reality of a descendant of David, of Jesus Christ who's seated on the throne. It's both and. Uh, continuing here in the quote, there is still less to suggest that the statement is to be limited to the extraordinary gifts of the spirit, healing, tongues, etc. This latter supposition, so when people would argue that, oh, these gifts, these blessings are the spiritual gifts that we can find in, in 1 Corinthians. And he says, no. This latter supposition is refuted by the all-inclusive all, right? Or in our translation, is, is every. It just seems like a funny way to say that. Like, no, we know it's not just the spiritual gifts of the Spirit because of this all-inclusive all or every, every spiritual blessing. So now, what do these blessings look like? The first one here is that we can see that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I know Paul focused a lot on that last week of being in Christ, my union with Christ. 
Blessings are found in heaven and brought to us by the Holy Spirit. How do we know? Because of the all-inclusive in Christ. Right? It's, it's very clear that he is the one who gives us these blessings. And if I'm not in Christ, then I'm not a recipient of these heavenly spiritual blessings. What's interesting, though, is that the blessings of, are, being are being revealed in this mystery. The blessings of revealing his mystery. What is a blessing? Is that we can comprehend the mystery of God that is revealed in this passage. And he, he explicitly tells us what this mystery is. And it's not a big mystery. It was very clear from the foundation, from the beginning of God telling humanity who he was, that the nations would be blessed by the early uh, walkers of the earth, that it's not just about me, it's not just about them, it's about all people. But Paul uses this word mystery, which I think is very fascinating. Uh, in Ephesus and a lot of places at the time around Rome, there were these mystery cults, that's their cult, mystery religions. And uh, let me, let me uh, just read, uh, this would be uh, like some kind of religion that says, we have insider information. And the only way that you can find this out is if you join my thing, my church, my whatever it is, my religion, and I'm gonna secretly give it to you, but you need to do this, do that, perform this ritual, and then you'll have access to this information. I'm not trying to make fun of other religions, but right down the street, there's a very large Scientology church. And if you've ever seen the, the documentary Going Clear, right, is that what the name of that is called, if anybody's seen it? Um, is that idea, right? That I, I get into the church, I pay money, I confess my sins, and I, and I slowly level up within this church. And that's just not how it is within Christianity. So uh, one uh, author specifically writing about these mystery religions says, the mystery religions also had secret ceremonies and rites of initiation that separated its members from the outside world. Every mystery religion claimed to impart secret knowledge of the deity. Uh, this knowledge would be communicated in clandestine ceremonies, often communicated to initial, uh, with an initiation rite, as opposed to God saying, hey, here, here's who I am. I'm giving you myself in scripture. The focus of this knowledge was not on a set of revealed truths to be shared with the world, but a hidden higher knowledge to be kept within the circle of believers, which is completely contrary to what scripture teaches that we ought to be doing with how God has revealed himself to us, that we are commanded to go into the world and teach them, not keep something for ourselves. So then as we look at this, uh, this passage, it's revealed to us what this mystery is. With all wisdom and understanding, he, that's God, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. So he's, Paul is using this idea of mystery. He does this a lot too with uh, finances and guaranteeing and inheritance because they would have been familiar with these words and this language and this context. The mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. And here's the big mystery, to bring all unity, sorry, and bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's always been this mystery that's being revealed is how is it that anyone can be reconciled to God? So now we look at another blessing and this is specifically the blessing of his Holy Spirit. I think the biggest, by far the biggest blessing that we see not just in this passage, but in all of scripture. Ephesians uh, verse 13 here. And you also were included in Christ when you have heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, uh, 
When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Now, you may be familiar with this, maybe not, but a seal would have been a ring, uh, a, a ring or a stamp that, that someone in authority would have had, that they would have dripped wax on something. This, this is an ancient practice. This goes back to the, the old school Egyptians, uh, that they would actually do this, not just with like letters that we would normally think of, but even with goods, that they would seal a, a bag of grain. Uh, to say this needs to go, mainly it was to keep the, um, the person delivering the goods accountable uh, so they wouldn't take from the cart of grain or whatever it may be, that it had to get to the recipient with the seal unbroken. And this then translated also then as kings, that as people would uh, go through a, a forest or something, right? I don't know, a forest, you know, would, you know, robbers, you know, Robin Hood's chilling there, right? And then they, they would jump out and try to rob and be like, no, I have this letter that I need to deliver and it is, it has the seal of the king because the king is backing me up. You break this seal, you are now picking a fight with the king. That's a no-no. And what Paul is telling us here is that we are sealed, we have this mark of the king on our soul that is the Holy Spirit. I often think of this quote, I've shared it before, I don't have it up on the screen, but only a child, uh, only a child of the king uh, can wake him up at 3 a.m. and ask for a glass of water. We have that kind of access. I want you to think about that. Uh, as a dad, this happens a lot, mostly with my son Jack now. Uh, he's you know, almost three. Uh, but he will wake up, you know, three in the morning. This is this happens. Uh, so just you know, if, if you want kids, just get ready. Is, you know, but your kid will scream, "Dad, Dad!" Right? And just, oh man, you you think you think they're getting murdered, right? So you run down there. Your adrenaline's pumping. You run down there, and it's uh, my pillow fell off my bed. <laughs> All right, bud. <laughs> right. And you pick it up and you're kind of relieved they're not getting murdered, right? And then you kind of want to murder them in that moment too, right? And you pick the pillow up and you put it back and you go to bed. And then the next night, it's, so there's, there's a truck that's hitting my foot. Can you move it? What? Right? No, I need a tissue on the, my nightstand that's right next to my face, right? But the only people who can do that to me are my kids, my kids, right? Just think about this. If my wife woke me up at 3 a.m. and said, Brian, I need a tissue, and I can see the tissue box next to her face. I might, out of confusion, maybe the first time, hand her a tissue because I don't know what in the world's going on. But if she did it again, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> right? But we have that kind of access. Do you get that? That we get to approach the king, why? Because of the seal of the Holy Spirit that is in us and on us and because of the finished work of Christ that we are now in Christ and we can now approach the Father. We can approach the Holy of Holies. We can approach the throne of grace. The Apostle Paul says boldly. Why? This is why. This is why we have that kind of access. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
Um, this last week, uh, someone from our church, I, won't, I didn't ask her permission to share the story, so I'll just leave it very ambiguous, uh, texted me and said, why did Jesus choose to leave? Which is a good question, right? Why did Jesus, why did Jesus uh, say, why didn't he just stay, right? He, he's, in his, he's in his glorified body. If he just would have continued to walk the earth, um, things would probably be a little bit different around here. Right, but there's reasons. I think some of the weaker ones would be, well, there's a lot of Old Testament prophecies uh, that he is going to ascend, that he's going to be killed and buried and risen again on the third day and ascend into a position of power and authority next to the Father. I think that would be like lower tier. That's really, it's really big though, right? The other one though uh, would just simply be the fact that he said that these things were going to happen, uh, that he was going to leave. But at the same time, I think the biggest aspect is because of the words of Jesus himself in John 16, 7, says, it is very good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will, will not uh, come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, we could do a whole series on what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be baptized with the Spirit? What does it mean to exercise our spiritual gifts? We're not going to get into that today, but someday, I think in Ephesians, we'll probably even dig into that a little bit more. But I think if you've grown up in the church, if you've grown up uh, at all, Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, we discuss very little of the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, right? Uh, it's, it's like saying we have the God, the Father, God, the Son, um, but, and, then, and then this other thing. Uh, that's, how it, that's really how it, how it feels sometimes. But what the Spirit gives us power. He is our guarantee of our inheritance. So maybe we should tap into that guarantee to live a life that we're called to live. So right now, if we were to stop and we were to say, what is the, the moral of today's sermon? Count your blessings. Right, that's a good moral, right? Hey, you've been blessed. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, right? You've been given, you've been given some amazing things, amen, right? You've been forgiven. You've been blessed in every spiritual blessing. So why don't you act like it, Christian? Right? Now we can do that. That's bad. It's not about morals. It's not about saying and feeling the weight. Okay, I've been blessed. I have been given these blessings that I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that he has revealed his mystery to me, that I can comprehend and understand what's happening because of his spirit of being in Christ. So, so yeah, I guess I need to count my blessings. I guess I should be more thankful than what I am. All right, just, just, uh, just do it. Do better, Christian. My last song that I want to talk about, and, and you may not be familiar with this song, but if you've got little kids at home, you've for sure seen this a million times already, but it's a new Disney movie or Pixar, I don't know, whatever, one of those, a uh, movie called Encanto. And uh, it was written, the music though was written by uh, Lin-Manuel, is that how you say his name, Manuel? Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda, he is most popular for writing the musical Hamilton. If you haven't seen that, you should. Uh, he also wrote the music to Moana. Uh, but this one, though, I mean, Hamilton obviously is unreal, but Encanto, the music in this, you want to get an earworm stuck in your head. Holy smokes. Uh, listen to mu this music. But here's the premise, okay? So if you haven't seen it, which most of you probably haven't, um, uh, but, but I want to just give a, a premise of this uh, movie. And again, here, this, going back to the beginning, there, there are thing, things and themes within culture that scream gospel truth. 
They just don't realize it. They don't know that because what Encanto does is it kind of leaves you wanting and asking for more. Uh, there was some resolution, but nothing really. Whereas we can look at that and say, you need, you need Jesus, Disney, right? No. But here's the premise, okay? There's this, there's this family that's been chosen by some magical candle. I don't know how that works, but that's, I think, the premise of it. But there's a, there's one family in particular, though, that's been given, they've been blessed with gifts. Okay, I'm not making this up, okay? They've been blessed with these gifts or these powers, right? Each one is gifted in their own unique way. And they need to use these powers to help others and to help each other, their own family. But they don't work well together. They think it's all up to them and that they're not using their gift or their power or their blessing good enough. And so they feel guilty about it, but they can't talk to anyone about it. I think they might um, fail. And so there's a song uh, that's sung by uh, this uh, character, Louisa, which, you know what, rewind the clock eight months, uh, and I could have cared less about this character, Louisa. But now that I've got a little girl, she's really cool, right, right? I mean, she's not like your stereotypical uh, little, little Disney princess, you know? Uh, she, she's strong, like literally that's her gift. She's just strong, uh, and, and I just think it's kind of cool, right? Like you don't have to be beautiful. Uh, you can still be awesome, you know? I just, I've never thought about that before. It's pretty cool. Anyways, all right, that is beside the point. But I'm gonna read some lyrics. It was kind of last night I was texting uh, Pastor Drew in Columbia Heights, and I had shared this song with Drew last week, and he's like, oh, yeah, no, I have daughters. You've already watched this movie 18 times. I was like, yeah, okay. But I thought, I thought it was really cool. I was like, this is, this is how I feel this sometimes. And, and so he texted me last night. He was like, hey, I'm going to show that clip you sent me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I couldn't figure out how to show it. So I'm just going to read you the lyrics uh, instead of show you the, show you the clip, um, which is maybe less distracting because she's doing all these things. Like, what is even happening? So if you haven't seen it, it'd be very distracting. So uh, let, me, let me read the lyrics. But, but I think as I read these lyrics, I'm telling you, this song, this song is on repeat in our house. And our boys go around and they try to pick everything up in the house. I just show how strong they are, right? Because um, they don't understand the concept of it. They just know it's something about picking heavy things up, right? Uh, but I think every single one of us in this room can, can empathize with this song. I mean, I mean, I get choked up when I, when I really think about the lyrics to this song. I think that we have felt this, and it doesn't matter if you're, you're a, you know, a six-figure engineer. It doesn't matter if you're unemployed. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're, you're a mother or a father or you're uh, single, if you're divorced. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, this is heavy. <laughs> Let me, let me read the lyrics here. It's kind of a, uh, if I get into it, I apologize, okay? This is called Surface Pressure is the name of the song. Um, I forget the singer's name. Um, doesn't matter. Google it. She says this, this character. I'm the strong one. I'm not nervous. I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. I move mountains. I move churches. And I glow because I know what my worth is. I don't ask how hard the work is. Got a rough and destructible surface. Diamonds and platinum. I find them. I flatten them. I take what I'm handed. I break what's demanded. But under the surface, I feel berserk as a tightrope walking in a three-ring circus. Under the surface, was Hercules ever like, yo, I don't want to fight Cerberus? That's the big three-headed dog, in case you didn't. There's a lot of references in this song that I'm like, kids don't, kids have no idea what's happening. 
under the surface, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. A crack, a flaw or a crack, the straw in the stack that breaks the camel's back. What breaks the camel's back, it's pressure, like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. Whoa. Pressure that'll tip, tip, tip till you just go pop. Give it to your sister, your sister's older. Give, it, give all the heavy things that you, we can't shoulder. Who am I if I can't run with the ball? If I falter under the surface, I hide my nerves and it worsens. I worry something's gonna hurt us under the surface. The ship doesn't swerve as it hurt how big the iceberg is. Under the surface, I think about my purpose. Can I somehow preserve this? Line up the dominoes, a light wind blows. You try to stop it tumbling, but on and on it goes. But wait, and there's this... This change in tone and the sunshine comes in and, and she's happy and she's, but wait, if I could shake the crushing weight of expectations, would that free some room up for joy or relaxation or simple pleasure? Instead, we measure this growing pressure, keeps growing, keeps going. Watch as she buckles and bends, but never breaks. No, <laughs> stupid, Disney. No mistakes. Give it to your sister and never wonder if the same pressure would have pulled you under. Who am I if I don't have what it takes? No cracks, no breaks, no mistakes, no pressure. You're all going to have, if you know the song, you're going to be singing that in your head. If you aren't already, if you don't, uh, you should look it up when you get home or whatever. Or now. I mean, just listen to your phone. It's fine. Background music for communion. Here's a gospel application. We can count our blessings and we can boldly approach the throne of grace because we have access like a child because we are children of God. And unlike Louisa, we can have peace about it with cracks, with breaks, with mistakes, because in Christ there is no pressure. He has finished it for us. That when he demands holiness, he doesn't say, do it. He says, I did it. And because you're in me and I have left and I have given you my seal, my spirit, power, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna break, you're gonna bend, you're gonna feel a lot of pressure, but you don't need to worry about that. The blessing is me. We have communion every week here at Hope Lower Town. I'm so glad that we get to do this. Because now we get to, all of us, flawed human beings with our cracks and our breaks and our mustache and pressure that's about to pop, we get to all as a family go up here and grab these little cups and take the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken. His body was broken so ours wouldn't have to be broken. His body cracks so we don't have to crack. His body bleeds so we don't have to bleed. And we take these elements and we drink them in remembrance of Christ and his finished work on the cross. We get to do that. And we get to see one another take these elements and we get to remember what it is that Christ did. And so as these songs are playing, as the worship team plays these last two songs, as we partake of these elements, 
I want you to remember. And I actually want you to remember how flawed and how messed up you are. And that's okay. Because you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And we can approach the throne. Let's bow and pray. Partake of elements and sing together. And we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you as a broken, sinful man. Someone who is created in your image, someone who has been given every opportunity to love you the way I ought to. You've revealed yourself to me. I know who you are deeply, but I don't always act like it. And I feel this growing pressure sometimes to try to live up to your expectations. But God, I pray that all of us today would just hear our expectations have been met in Christ, that your expectations have been met in Christ, that I can't earn your love, I can't earn your favor. You've already blessed me. You've already done that because of the finished work of Christ. So as we partake of these elements, as we taste actually taste and remember and see that you are good, that you've called us to live a life that's worthy of our gospel calling, not out of obligation, not out of duty, not out of pressure, but out of joy and love. So God, I just pray, anyone in this room who's just feeling that, that their faith has just really been struggling recently because of the pressure that, no, I'm, I'm uh, supposed to be a good Christian. I've got this figured out. I'm, that you would just re relieve all fear and guilt and shame and doubt, and they would meet you at the foot of your cross, knowing that their sins are forgiven. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.